What does the word Ani stand for? Ani stands for Ahuv, beloved. Nun stands for Nachotz, needed. And Yud stands for Yachol, able. We want to give our children the feeling that they have their own Ani, they have their own I. They are beloved, they're needed, and they can. If a uh, child grows up without parents, God forbid, the child is called an orphan child. If a people grows up without children, what are they called? Well, an orphan people. So today we're going to learn a little bit about, discuss education in 2023 and uh, hopefully to um, create some kind of uh, a context of how to, how to approach this. We all love our children. We all invest in our children. We all care about our children. We put in so much energy and time and money for our children. And yet, not always do our children uh, receive what we're giving them in the way that we want them to. And sometimes we can give and give and give, and yet it's having the opposite effect of what we like. The question is how to give them in the way that they'll, in the right way, how to find the right connection to the child, to have a true connection to the child, a deep connection to the child, and looking at this from the perspective of truth, from the perspective of Torah, perspective of Hashem, who shares his perspective and not just his perspective, his instruction to us in the Torah. So look, let's look at this from the prism of this week's Torah portion, where we have a conversation about education. Where do you have a conversation about education, this week's Torah portion? Who, which educators, edu, educators have this discussion? A discussion between Paro and Moshe Rabbeinu, between the Pharaoh and Moses. Moses finally is told by the Pharaoh, the advisors of the Pharaoh say to, say, say to Pharaoh, you have to let them go. This, this country is in ruins. It's all because of your obstinacy. Let them go. It's ruining the whole country. It's time for them to leave. And finally, the Pharaoh apparently is, has, has some intelligence. And he's like, you know what? I, you know what? It's, it's a good idea. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let them go. He calls Moses. Moses, it's time for you guys to go. He asks an interesting question. And who was going to go? You want, you're saying that you want to go to offer sacrifices to your God. Who is going to go on this three-day journey that you speak of? So Moses says immediately, with our young and with our old, with our sons and with our daughters. And the Pharaoh says, no way, no how. What are you talking about? Only adults should go. And that's what you really would want. And I know what you're saying. And leave. Go down. So the question is, what was the discussion? What was going on behind this discussion? How come the Pharaoh says only adults? You would think that for the Pharaoh, the worst people to go from his perspective would be the adults. Because who are the ones that the Pharaoh needs to build his cities and make everything happen in Egypt? He needs the adults. They're the, the, those between the ages of 20 and 60, which is who the Pharaoh meant, that's the ones he said they, they should go. Those are the last people he should want to go. Because those are the ones that are going to uh, do all the work in the, in, the, uh, in the cities that they were building. Number two, if the Pharaoh was afraid of the Jewish people leaving, it's hard to leave when you have your little kids going with you. It's hard to leave when you have these old people going with you. So for the security of the slaves to make sure that the Pharaoh got the slaves to stay, it would have made more sense for him to say, oh, take the adults, go with the wheelchairs, go with the kings, go with the baby carriages. Go with all the young, go with all the old. If he wants to maintain um, his ownership of the Jewish people, it will make more sense for him to send them with the adults and with the children. That way, they go out in the desert 
it's going to be very hard for them to, uh, if they want to escape, it'll be much harder for them. And yet the Pharaoh says, no, 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 you cannot send the children. What's going on? The answer is that the Pharaoh was very smart. He didn't just want to enslave us physically. He wanted to enslave us forever. He wanted to create a circumstance where there would no, be no continuation of the Jewish people's identity. And he knew the identity of the Jewish people is our faith in Hashem. What's our identity about? Our identity is our connection to Hashem, our, our appreciation of Hashem's mission for each of us. That's where our life is. That's what, that's what life is about. And the Pharaoh sought to uproot that. And what's the way to uproot that? As in Gemara says, if there are no children, goats, there are no older goats. He wanted to uproot from us, from the children, their faith in Hashem. It says in, that Paro, the Pharaoh, he felt that life is about activity, about work. So who does work? Who is meant to go on this, uh, this, this celebration? Who should go on a celebration? Who's, who is living really, according to the Pharaoh? Those who are living and those who are working. When you're a child, you're not really living, according to the Pharaoh. If life is about work, life is about making money, life is about success. So when you're a child, what are you doing? In the Pharaoh's view on life, what are you doing if you're a child? You're preparing for life. What are you doing if you're a, a senior citizen? You're after your life is over already. You're now either enjoying your life, or you are, you're nebuch, you have to schlep along because you haven't, you, you haven't earned enough money to enjoy life. But that's after life. There's being productive and making money, being successful. Until you're being productive, making money, and successful, you're not really living, says the Pharaoh. After you finish working, you're done life. Now it's time to enjoy it, or, or if you can't, you can't, but that's, that, your life already is over. That's the perspective of the Pharaoh. Therefore, he says, you make, you're making a celebration. Celebration, who is, to cel- who is going to celebrate life? It's the adults between the ages of 20 and 60, not the children, not the, not, not, not the senior citizens. Yes, sir, Barbaro. Is, it, is this the, the first one who said, Arbeit Machrai? Arbeit Machrai. Where's the Nazis? Yeah. So, but Moshe Rabbeinu does not, does not agree. Why doesn't he agree? Moshe Rabbeinu immediately says, with our young and with our old, with our sons and with our daughters, with all of our cattle, we're all going out. What was Moshe saying? It's interesting halacha that people find very peculiar. It really tells you a lot about the Jewish perspective on children. If your child goes with you to a park, and your child sees a bicycle, a child snatches a bicycle, your child snatches a bicycle, and he drives the bicycle, and he breaks the bicycle. Are you obligated to pay for the bicycle? What do you think? Who thinks you're supposed to pay for the bicycle? The answer is, you're not. You're not. Why? You're, ob- you're responsible for your property. Your property you're responsible for. If your animal, if your dog, if your horse, if, an, if your pet destroys property, it's, your, it's, your, it's yours. But your child isn't yours. Your child doesn't belong to you. They have their own life, and they have their own mission, and every age and every, and every stage of growth has its own purpose, and your child, you don't own your child. And therefore, you're not responsible to pay for the loss. It says, according to some, that it's a good thing for their education to give the child money so they should feel responsible for what they did, but there's no legal obligation for you to pay for your child's breaking of the glass of that window. It's, it's, you're, you're scot-free. Why are you scot-free? Because you don't own your child. One of the interpretations of why we let a child's hair grow to the age of three years old, why, why, why can't we cut, cut a child's hair? One interpretation of this is similar to the laws of, cutting down a tr- of eating from a tree. You're not supposed to eat from a tree until the tree is three years old. Why can't you eat from the tree until the tree is three years old? 
Because one interpretation of this is, a simple interpretation is, in order to instill in us the absolute um, recognition that although we planted some seeds and now something grew, something grew, it has nothing to do with us. It's God who gave us this tree, God who gave us these fruits. And therefore, for three years, God shows us He's the owner and says, no, you can't, you can't eat the fruit yet. By abstaining from the fruit for three years, God's giving us a message, you don't own the fruit, you don't own the tree, it's mine. In a similar way, by not cutting your child's hair for three years, God is telling you something about your child. Your child does not belong to you. Your child has his own identity, his own mission. There was a Jew, actually, he said a story about himself publicly, so he could say his name, Rabbi Shmuel Lu, Angazun, the Rebbe's emissary to London. He once asked the Rebbe about his children. He says, they're children, they're, they're so wild, and they don't have to control them, and, and, I, and I have to hit them sometimes. What can I do to control my children? It's interesting. It's a simple question, right? What can I do to control my, control my children? But the Rebbe didn't answer his question. The Rebbe basically changed the whole question in a different way. The Rebbe said, one of the things you could do, finishing the sentence, to prevent yourself from raising your hands against your children, is by thinking about the fact that they aren't really your, really your children. They don't belong to you. They're God's children. And you're not allowed to hurt them because they don't belong to you. They're not yours to hurt. You're not, they don't belong to you. And this is the uh, meaning of the words, the beginning of ethics of our father, Prikiyavis. Moshe Rabbeinu receives the Torah. He gives the Torah to the elders. The elders give the Torah to the prophets. The prophets give the Torah to the men of the great assembly. The Torah uses the word in this, in this Mishnah, it seems over and over again, they give. Well, they don't give, they teach. Moses taught it to Joshua, Joshua taught it to the elders. Why does the Torah use the word, they gave it over? What does that mean they gave it over? What are they giving over? There were these two neighbors. Each of them had a garden in their home. One of them was a professional gardener. And the other one was a math- mathematics professor. And they both loved their garden. They both planted herbs and flowers in their garden. They took care of their garden. But the gardener, when he put, poured water in the garden, he was very measured. He had very, you know, very, the bare minimum of water. And when the uh, professor watered his garden, he put in lots of water. And sure enough, the uh, professor's vegetables and herbs and flowers, they grew. The vegetables were much greener and much bigger than the professor's, than the uh, professional gardens. However, one day there was a rainstorm. And there was a rainstorm. What happened? All of what the, what the gardener had, all of what the professor had planted, was all uprooted, all gone as if it never was there in the first place. And what the, what the gardener planted, it was strong and robust, and it, it was it was standing. And the gardener and the professor can't believe it. the next morning they were look, they're, they're observing the wreckage of the professor's garden and the beautiful plants and fruits and vegetables and herbs in the gardener's garden. And the, the professor has to understand. He said, I "Understand? I took better care of my garden than you took care of your garden. How come your garden?" is robust, and my garden is a churban. My garden's all messed up. What's, what's the difference? What do you do differently in yours? So the, so the gardener said, the problem is you pay too much attention and too much care about for your garden. Too much. What do you mean? What do you mean too much? He says, I gave the, 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 the vegetables very little water. So when you give them very little water, what happens? The roots looking for water, they go deeper and deeper in the earth and search for the water. It makes, it makes the roots much stronger. However, if they have all the water they need, the roots don't go so deeply in the water, deeply into the ground, 
And then things get uh, get uh, overturned. In a similar way, someone came to the Rebbe once, he told the Rebbe, I have seven daughters. I gave them all the exact same education, the same schools, and they, they were taken care of exactly the same way, the same allowances, the same rights, the same privileges. And yet, one daughter did this, and one daughter did that. How come they're not all coming up the same? I gave them all the same. And Rebbe responded, when you heard the story, is that the problem is you treated them all the same. The Torah tells us the cardinal principle in education, educate the child according to his path. Each child is different. Each child needs something different. Some children, if you say something sharp to the child, as Ray Heller told us when I was in Kyle, he said sometimes you can say, the father can say the right words, and it's the right time. Just the tune, the way he says it, could God forbid kill the child. Just the, the wrong tune. Sometimes there are people that grow up, and a, a friend of mine is talking to this guy, this guy beats his children, hits his kids. The guy says to him, what are you doing? The guy says, you know what? My father hit me. He hit me when I was a kid. And, and I swore to myself, I'm never going to hit my children. I don't even know why I do it. In other words, because this had this experience as a child, it affected him in a way that he, he, just, he just subconsciously, he, consciously he knows it's the most terrible thing. He got hit as a kid, he knows what it's about. And yet, it hurt him in a way that, that, that lasted. So, every person has a mission. Every time in your life has its mission. Every place you're in has a mission. Every generation has its mission. 2023, Rabbi Shachat from the Yeshiva, the Roshi says, he told this to me 15 years ago, probably things have, speeded, have gotten faster since then. He said, every five years, he sees the boys coming to the Yeshiva, it's a new generation. A new generation, the kind of things that are at their fingertips, the kind of challenges they have, the kind of exposure that they have. It's a different generation every, every couple of years. So it's a whole different generation. It's, the, the, the progression is, 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 is astonishing. And so the Torah tells us, why did God like Avram Avinu so much? What was so beloved about Avram, the father of Jewish people? What was so good about him? It's because Hashem says, he, I love Avraham, because Avram focused on his children. Focus on his children doesn't mean that he gave them too much love or too little love. It means he gave much attention to little attention. He gave them exactly what they needed for each child, which is different. Educating the child according to their path is not just a, a technique, it's not just a gimmick. It means that each one has a different mission. You know, there was one speaking about how how we shouldn't um, we shouldn't practice family planning. We shouldn't say, oh, I want to have three kids, four kids, and a dog, and then two cars, you know, and, and plan your life exactly. You, you, should, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't plan God's blessings. You should open yourself up to God's blessings. And I've just said that in a, in a family, you have one kid who's like a chavraman, he's like a businessman, another kid who's, who every family, who, what does a father want? He wants the kids to have everything. Every kid should do, you know, the most amazing things. But the truth is, you can't have every kid doing the most amazing things. Every kid is different. So, so if you have a larger family, every kid excels in something different. Everyone, and everyone's supposed to excel in something, something different. And that's the meaning of the, of the words in Prick Yavis, Moshe gave the Torah to Yeshua. He didn't just teach Yeshua. He gave him the mission. He passed him the torch. Yeshua, your generation has a different role. The generation 2023 has a different role than the generation of 2017, 2018. It, it changes. Abzusha of his yard site was, uh, I think, on, on Monday. He said that, amazing, he said, if God would ask me to switch places with Avraham, I would say no. He would say yes, right? To switch places with Avraham. I'll be like Avram, I'll be like me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't agree. Why? Because what would God gain? What would God gain? He would have one Avram, and one Zosha, it wouldn't be any difference to him. 
But Reb Zusha didn't ask, why not make two Avrams? Two Avrams. Let me be like Avram. That's not a question. So switch, you wouldn't switch. Because why switch? God allows the same. It's for, if it's for God's sake, he has both. He has an Avram. But he didn't ask, make me like Avram. Because that would be a waste. Hashem already has an Avram. Make me like Avram Avinu. It's not the point. If Hashem wanted two Avrams, he wouldn't make me Zusha. Hashem wants each person to do their specific thing. And that's the meaning of Moshe Lino's response to Paro, being their reign with our young, with our old, with our sons, with our daughters, that everyone has their stage where they're in, they have a mission. The children give nachas and the happiness to their parents and their grandparents, and they behave, and they, and they impact people in a way that, that adults can. Adults can. Everyone has things that they could do. And Bobbies and Zadies, they have things that they could give kids that, uh, I once saw this t-shirt, if mommy and daddy say no, ask Bobby and Zadie. Right? That's how it works. There's something that only of... <laughs> spoken by a Zadie. Yeah. And, and, and they do it. And, and there's something you can't get from Bobby and Zadie. Everyone has their role. Everyone has their mission. And that's a Moshman who told Pare. You're making a mistake. It's not that life is about productivity and about financial success. Everyone has their mission. Everyone has their piece in the puzzle. And that's the, uh, the, what a, a parent has to contribute to their child. The, the goal is the child should go up and say, Ani, I. I am Ahuv, I am Nachutz, Ani Acho. I am beloved, I am needed, and I am able. A few weeks ago, you read about the birth of Moshe Rabbein, the birth of Moses. You know the backstory of the birth of Moses. Uh, Moses' father and mother were, one of says they were separated, one of says they were divorced. Why were they separated? Why were they divorced? Because... When, when Moses' father, Amram, was a person who never made a mistake in his life. The, the, the Talmud says there are four people who never made a mistake in their life. One of them was Amram. And yet, he made a decision that was wreaking havoc upon the Jewish people. What was going on? He, they saw boys being thrown into the Nile River. So why have any children? What, this can't go on. But then his daughter, Miriam, said to him, Dad, you are worse than Pharaoh. Wow, great compliment, my dear three-year-old daughter. Well, why are you saying that? Because... Pharaoh is only killing the Jewish boys. If you don't, aren't with mom, there won't be any Jewish girls either. You're destroying everybody. You're worse than the Pharaoh. So he remarries and or gets back to with his wife and they're blessed with Moses. Moses is born. And Moses was born after seven months of pregnancy. The Egyptians knew all about this because when Amram separated from his wife, everybody separated from their, from their wives. When Amram remarried or reunited with his wife, everyone reunited with, his, with their wife. So they were watching the house of Moses. What happened to Moses' house? And when Moses turned two months old, after he, they, he, they knew that the Egyptian police would be looking to see if any babies are being born, they put Moses in the basket in the river, as we know the story. Now, there's a part of the story that, I, that is fascinating, that the Torah doesn't dwell on, but it's very relevant to each of us. Moses in the basket in the river. Right? Miriam's standing there. And she's watching the basket. What is she thinking when she's walking, watching the basket? Is she thinking, well, I hope something happens because my dad's going to say, I told you so. Uh, is she thinking, does she have divine inspiration that she knows what's going to happen next? She's she just standing there. She's just, she's just standing to see, to, know, to find out what will happen to him. What is going on in her mind? What is she feeling when this is happening? What, she's looking at the basket, she, just doesn't, she has divine inspiration in general, but the Torah doesn't say she knew what's going to happen. What she knew was, she, did, she told her father, when her father separated from her, from, her, from her mother, she said, don't mix into God's business. 
We have to do what God told us to do and God will do the rest. That's what she said. That's what she knew. So she knew that since we did whatever God told us to do, we tried to make, to have, bring children to the world. She knew for sure all I need to do is stand up and look and I'm going to see godliness and miracles become manifest. I knew this, I know Miriam said something amazing is going to happen because we did what we're supposed to do and for sure God's going to rescue this child. She knew for sure, not with divine inspiration. She knew that if she did what she was supposed to do and, and God gave her this mission, it was going to work. In a similar way, Deborah says, in edu- edu- educating a child, 2023, and all kinds of things going on, all kinds of winds in the world which are blowing. And the previous Rebbe was released from prison. I'll leave you the last story. He was released from prison, so they made a day of celebration for his release. And there was one man in this town whose son was responsible for the previous Rebbe's arrest. So he didn't come to the celebration because his son was involved in the previous Rebbe's uh, arrest. He told the previous Rebbe, they, they brought him, the previous Rebbe, bring this guy, why is he here? He, he invited, they invited him, he came. And they said, why you, the previous Rebbe said, why don't you come? He said, because an apple doesn't fall far from the tree. You know, it must be my fault. So the previous Rebbe said, that's only true when there's no winds. When there's winds, an apple can fall very far from the tree. Not, the previous Rebbe was saying, you know, don't, don't be so hard on yourself. On the other hand, we see from the story of Miriam, that you do what Hashem tells you to do, and you have trust in Hashem, and think good. They have actually said, you're thinking good about your children, you're trusting in Hashem, that Hashem will help your children do their free will. Just the fact that you trust in Hashem, they'll be okay, that already makes them okay. Besides the fact that the strongest message you give to your child, it's not with your words, it's with your eyes. You see the good in them, you believe in the good in them. That's the best thing you could do. Whatever you say to them, either they hear or they don't hear, some people say to tell your children the opposite of what you want them to do because maybe, maybe at least they'll go the other way. <laughs> Whatever. That's debatable. But the strongest thing you can give to your child, children is your eyes that you see and you look for and you believe in the good in them. And it was often that uh, we should stand like Miriam and expect to see the rescue of the coming Mashiach and if Chatzah Mashiach is delayed to see, expect to see the good in all of our children. And the reign was created with our young and our old, the sons and daughters. They should grow up with that I need, with that I I am beloved, and I am necessary, I am needed, and I am able. L'chaim. 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 L'chaim.